Hey y'all, it's Thursday and we survived Mueller Day. Barely? Ugh. Well, today we have a great show for you. We have the latest from Puerto Rico, and then I'm sitting down with Emmy Award winning actress Carrie Preston. And I'm talking to Jackie Cruz from Orange is the New Black, so we'll see you on the timeline. Good morning, Twitter. I'm Zach Stafford, she's Alex Berg, and you are watching And to DM. Woo, happy Friday Eve. It's Friday Eve, and I learned that term a week ago from yeah. you. Yeah. Which feels like when? Yesterday? It feels like, yes, I can't believe it. This morning Times I was like, I think moves. Friday Eve, the first time I heard that was last week. And then it I'm like, was. wait, last, last week it went so fast. A whole ass seven days. Yeah, a whole ass seven days. Well, that feels really far away, but something also feels very close. Well, it doesn't feel far away. It feels super close, but something else feels really close. This, from the timeline, is... <laughs> This is really funny to me. The timeline is morning today after we all heard that the Netflix show Tuca and Birdie is canceled. Here's a tweet from Kate Leth. Tuca and Birdie was funny, but it touched on some stuff I have never seen on TV, much less animation with honesty and kindness. It was that, and it was weird, horny, messy, in a way women rarely get to be on TV, much less animation. And here's the tweet from Shivana Sukdeo. I'm a fat woman of color. In real life, I am the joke. In so much media, everything about me is made a punchline. Tuka and Birdie let me be the audience for once in my damn life. Ugh. Thanks for that. So you weren't a big fan of the show. You haven't seen so it yet. I actually, I didn't know much about this show. And then I saw this outpouring mm -hmm. um, happening of people who were really upset that uh, it's Devastated. coming to an end. Devastated. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people, I love the show a lot. My best friend Ian told me about it. He's like, you got to get into it. It's an animated series. Try it out. Try it out. So I tried it out one day on a flight from L.A. to New York. You can watch the whole thing on that flight because the show is only 20-minute episodes. They're really little snack bites. But they're amazing because, you know, as a queer person of color, I watched it and knew I was being, you know, you know not only represented but supported. They would talk about mental health, body issues, everything, but not make us the joke of it. And that was a really refreshing thing to see. Yeah, I mean, that was the big thing here. We know that Netflix from time to time does cancel shows. Mm -hmm. People are usually upset. But really, it seemed that there was this whole other piece mm -hmm. about representation of people really seeing themselves in that show that just makes this even more sad. It makes it even yes. hit home in a different way. And Netflix keeps doing this to us this year. You know, there was the show earlier this year, uh, One Day at a Time, uh, which was the Latinx queer show that people were obsessed with and loved deeply, 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 and randomly canceled, even though massive fan base. Immediately, people took to Twitter, made a huge uproar about it, and now it's back on Pop TV later next year. Um, but, you know, Netflix keeps telling us, you know, we're centering mm. you as queer people of color, as women, but they only give us, like, a few months and then take it away, and it hurts every Yeah, time. and I know something that we have spoken about before is that we want to see, uh, you know, not just, like, a couple characters here and there. We want to yeah. see a real genuine investment in these kinds of stories. Yes. So this is just one of those moments that yeah. makes you think about that a little bit more. Yeah. I know that after hearing all of this, having this conversation with you, I'm definitely going to be checking out this series. You have to, and then we'll talk about it. We'll have our own little reunion. We will, little, we will. Little, little watch party. Yeah. Well, let's take it to the timeline. What show meant a lot to to you that ended up canceled? Let us know with the hashtag AM to DM. Now, I don't want to say exactly this is similar, but um, I used to really love the show Salem, and then that was canceled. That. It's really good. I mean, it has a lot of like strong, complicated women protagonists. Uh, I don't want to say that it occupies the same space as this show mm -hmm. at all. But again, sometimes those like abrupt endings uh, of shows that were special to you, like, Big bummer. Yeah, it's Big like a bandaid being ripped off. Yeah. You didn't even ask for it to be ripped off. Netflix yeah. be nice. Exactly. Well, on to some other news from this morning. Here's a tweet from MSNBC. Puerto Rico Governor Ricardo Rosseo says he will step down as governor effective August 2nd. Move comes after almost 900 pages of leaked private chats set off a scandal and mass protests on the island. And here's a tweet from J.A. Serrano. 
My homeland, Puerto Rico, has put democracy on display for 11 days straight. The people have done it. Governor Ricardo Rosseo has resigned effective August 2nd. I'm holding back tears. Joining us today to talk about the latest in Puerto Rico is Refinery29 senior writer Andrea Gonzalez Ramirez. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. So July 5th is, an un, is a historic day in Puerto Rico beyond this resignation. Why is that? So uh, July 25 has always been this big moment for Puerto Rico. It marks this year, 121 years since the U.S. invaded Puerto Rico during the Spanish-American War. It marks 67 sorry, uh, years since Puerto Rico became a commonwealth, since like, that got signed into law. And it marks 41 years since two pro-independence activists were killed by the police in this um, town and in this area called Cerro Maravilla. So it's a big moment for a lot of people, just like, you know, it's the story of colonialism and the island and all this like social movements that have happened as a consequence of that. So to have the resignation of Governor Ricardo Rosselló, like right in the eve of that historic date feels like really monumental for a lot of Puerto Ricans. And as a Puerto Rican myself, it also feels like a new moment for a lot of people in the island, right? Like, We've seen this historic like protest happen. This is the first time a governor resigns and steps down in the history of like the island. So it feels like a moment that's very joyous, but also it definitely shifts like the way that we've been thinking about ourselves for the past like you know 121 years. Mm. And Andrea, what's the mood like in Puerto Rico today as, as citizens begin to process this news? Have you spoken to any family or friends yet? Yeah, everyone is extremely happy. Like for the longest period yesterday, it was not clear whether he would resign or not. Um, He had come to agreement with the House of Representatives saying that he would step down voluntarily at 5 p.m. And then 5 p.m. came and went and, you know, started seeing more police uh, like presence in the old San Juan area where a lot of protesters were. And you started feeling like, well, maybe he won't do this after all. So when he finally, finally, uh, the message finally came out, I like, 1145 or something it was just like an explosion of joy like finally people were like yeah we did it um it reminded me of when i was younger and you know there were this massive protests in the island to get the u.s navy out of this smaller island called Vieques, um which was again a cross-section of the population coming together to protest like something that they felt was unjust and when that finally happened like it was just like days of celebration um i think that even though there's a lot of happiness right now and like people are extremely excited about this development um it the fight is not gonna stop like it, you know like he's being succeeded by governor uh, well, she's going to be governor. Wanda Vasquez was the current secretary of justice. Um, and she has her own ethical issues that, you know, people have been talking about for a long time. So I don't think that it's going to stop here. I think that the resignation of Governor Rosselló is just like the first step in like a bigger mo- movement. All right. Just the first step in a bigger movement. One of the things that incited all of these protests uh, were these messages that, of course, were uh, homophobic and sexist. Um, what have the conversations been like uh, around uh LGBTQ and uh, women's issues, um, you know, in the wake of these messages. What have you heard? Yeah, I think the leaked chats were just like, you know, la gota que colmo el vaso, like the last drop that just like everything spilled um, after that. It was just, it, it was not exactly about the chats. It was about like this whole bigger issue with corruption among the political class. That being said, like Puerto Rico has a crisis of, you know, domestic violence. Um, we've seen that increase after Hurricane Maria, where 
25 women approximately got killed last year by their intimate partners. So to see an elected official talk the way that Rosario and his associates were talking about this and then see that his administration has not done a lot to curb this violence. It was like very jarring for a lot of, a lot of people. And it was like one of the reasons why they were so upset when it comes to LGBTQ issues. Like he was also championing this religious liberty bill that would have allowed for people to discriminate against LGBTQ people. So I do think that the messages at large, yes, they were crass, but they were also representative of issues that the administration has had for like a long time when it comes to public policy and the type of message that they've given to the people of Puerto Rico. Um, and as someone who is a young woman, to see that it was not acceptable, um, it was just very incredible to see because I feel like 10 years ago, we would not have had the reaction to these leaked chats uh, at all. Like it would have been like, well, that's how people like, you know, locker room talks. Um, so to see that change, it's just like, it's very inspiring. Mm -hmm. And Andrea, you've been incredibly open over the past year about your own experiences with Hurricane Maria. What do you think recovery is gonna look like on the island as it continues to deal with the damage there now without Roseo? Yeah, um, I think they have a, still a lot of work to do. And I think definitely, you know, like the corruption scandal that broke where several, uh, you know, top officials were arrested a couple of weeks ago. Um, and the whole scandal with Rosario, like it's definitely going to hurt Puerto Rico, like when it comes to congressional help and the way that, you know, President Trump and, you know, our congressional representatives view the island. Um, I think there's a lot of work to do still, like people still power goes out pretty frequently, um, you know, nearly two years after Hurricane Maria. So um, I am not sure whether the person that's going to become governor, like it's, you know, even clear on what task, like uh, what a big task she has, like from now on, um, because where goes still like two years later, there's still a lot of things to do to, you know, make the island okay again after what happened in 2017 with Hurricane Maria. What a big task. Uh, well, Andrea, thank you so much for joining us today. On thank you for having me. Today. Yes, of course. Wow, that is... Yeah. We've been covering this since uh, we first heard of these uh, protests, and to see such rapid change by the people for the people continues to be a stunning moment for democracy as a whole. Yeah, and also really great to talk to her because she's got personal stake in this, yes. and you can just hear uh, the connection there. Mm -hmm. So a nice uh, different perspective than the way that we've covered it in the past couple of days. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Well, we have an update from a story we talked about earlier this week. Here's a tweet from the Associated Press, Eastern United States. A school district quote, sincerely apologizes for a letter warning parents their children could be taken away if they didn't pay overdue lunch bills. And the district now says it wants to accept a businessman's offer to wipe out the parents' debt. Wow. So we, yes. we first talked about this on Monday. You know, huge story coming out of Pennsylvania just on Sunday evening. And we brought on some of the reporters that broke it. And this was a really stunning moment because not only did we find out you know, they were going to send some kids to foster care because they couldn't pay their lunch sets, which were not that big. But then all of a sudden, they weren't even going to take the money that someone was going to send them to pay those debts. So it became this interesting conversation about, like, what is the purpose here? Why do you want to hurt these kids so bad? Exactly. And uh, the businessman that we're talking about is uh, the founder of La Colombe Coffee, which is a, a started in Philadelphia, actually. The amount of debt that uh, he'd initially offered to wipe out was $20,000. So, um, you know, you think that is spread out among uh, a whole bunch of kids. Yeah. Um, and and when you think about that, I mean, it's just so punishing to threaten yes. that these kids were going to be taken away from their parents and also that they just wouldn't initially take the money. Fortunately, that has been turned around. Mm -hmm. uh, they're going to take the money. 
they've issued this apology. Yeah. So we'll it's see what happens from here. This is a, it's a great development for these, for these yeah. young people. Well, we have some developing news this morning. Uh, NBC News tweeted, ASAP Rocky has been charged with assault in Sweden and will remain in jail until the trial, say Swedish prosecutors. So Yeah. I first saw this break last weekend. Mm-hmm. So I saw uh, it break because of Justin Bieber. Because <laughs> of Justin Bieber, it. right. I saw yeah. Trump tweeting about it. Yeah. You know, th- this uh, this uh, singer, this rapper and singer, uh, ASAP Rocky, has been facing a lot of turmoil in Sweden due to a, a fight he got into. Mm. Um, he has been stuck in the country, and a lot of his friends have been fighting to get him released, and it has not happened. And today is just the first update we're really getting to know what the next steps for him are, which is he's going to be stuck in Sweden until his court date. So we will be following that story very closely for you. And keeping you up to date as we learn more. Mm -hmm. So I think we can leave it there. And later on in the show, I'm talking to Jackie Cruz from Orange is the New Black. But first, we'll be back for Fire Tweets. Fire! Fire! Welcome back. It is time for... Fire tweets. I have two fire tweets. Shall we do this? Shall we get into I love every day. It's like my like attempt to like catch fire. Like I'm catching the fire. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's do it. Kibble Smith, you tweeted, sometimes I miss being in my 20s and hanging out with roommates. So I'll walk into a movie theater in progress and say, oh, cool. <laughs> what is this? I would throw a damn popcorn <laughs> at you. I hate talking in theaters and I hate it being in a dorm in college where everyone just would walk in and out, interrupt everything you did. So yeah. Yeah, you're Do just not come to me. Exactly, you're just reenacting, like busting in on your friends, watching yeah. Netflix, being like, "Hey, hey, everybody, what's what you happening? watching? What's, what's happening? happening? What you watching? Yes, girl, go watch your own account." <laughs> All right, Nick, you tweeted, "Cats be nine years old, no school, no job, just meowing." <laughs> You know, let me tell you, this is what my cats are like. I hate cats so much. They don't pay the rent. They don't do their dishes. They sit around. They sleep all damn day. And I'm sick of it. I tell them all the time, go uh, get a job. They just aren't. I want to say this is why I like dogs, but dogs aren't even any better. So, Abby, you tweeted, you ever process your emotions in a healthy way just to flex on your dad? I'm so glad my dad doesn't watch this show. Um, my dad doesn't. He's a psychologist, so I have a lot of baggage. Oop, hey, dad. You know, like yeah. daddy issues. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Vision board, you tweeted. Me, age 25. I'm sure by 35, I'll be driving an Audi. Me, age 37. Where do all the fucking socks disappear to? <laughs> my, my dream for my life is that I would drive a luxury vehicle and here I am, not being able to find the other freaking sock. It's, I overbuy my like workout socks and now my issue is the ankle socks. They disappear all the time. Yeah. I swear there's a troll that lives in my house that just grabs them. Stealing your socks. socks. It's ridiculous. Yeah, you gotta find it. All right, ready for the yes. uh, tweet of the day? Tweet of the day comes from Corey not in the house. Me deleting a tweet with a typo and tweeting it again, later hoping nobody notices. Ooh. It's just like, this is like a Shaq day. behind a teeny tiny tree. <laughs> One, I love the photo of Shaq forever and always. Fantastic. But I do this constantly. You do? I'll tweet something and I never proofread my big secret. I don't proofread my tweets. I just put them out because of feelings. Even though you are um, an editor. I know. Welcome. Huh? We all are perfect. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, and I do it, but then I'm really quick to delete and repost. So, you know, I'm Noted. Shaq. Shaq Noted. all day. All right. I'm going to be looking out for your deleted Jesus, tweets. Jesus, I'm going to be shamed forever. All right. Well, moving on from her potential abuse of me, coming up, I'm sitting down with Emmy Award-winning actor and star of Claws, Carrie Preston. But up next, we are going live from the district. Just going to start looking through your tweets now. Yes. Welcome back. Here's a tweet from Paul McLeod before Mueller's first hearing yesterday. 
I'm at the Judiciary Committee where one wiseacre just compared the mood to the Nuremberg trials. I'll be tweeting key updates this morning as former special counsel Robert Mueller testifies before Congress for the first time since completing his 2016 election report. Wow, the Nuremberg trials. Really, girls? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And here's Paul uh, after all of the hearings yesterday. My phone died at work, and I think I would prefer if God took me instead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, let's go live from the district with Busby News Capitol Hill reporter Paul McLeod to talk about everything that happened yesterday. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. I appreciate the thoughts and prayers. Oh, Uh, yes. Plenty of them. I'm so glad you're alive, Paul. We don't know what we would do without you. We don't. We really don't. (laughs) All right. Well, speaking of... First, let's take a look at this clip from ABC News of Congressman, Republican Congressman Ken Buck. The, uh, could you charge the president with a crime after he left office? Yes. You believe that he committed, you could charge the president of the United States with obstruction of justice after he left office? Yes. All right, Paul, what are the implications of this exchange? Well, I mean, the obvious implications are that Trump could be charged with obstruction of justice after leaving office. And this is probably a little confusing for people. Why can't he be uh, charged right now? And I mean, this has been part of the ongoing saga of the the Mueller report is that actually Mueller determined in his opinion, based on uh, the, the legal opinions within the administration, that he was literally not able to charge a sitting president with obstruction of justice. But as he noted, uh, that uh, once you're not a sitting president anymore, that protects is gone. All gone. So, Paul, was it surprising that a Republican got this information out of Mueller? It seems like a pretty big blow to Trump right now. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Senator, uh, Senator uh, uh, Representative uh, Buck probably wished he had taken that one back and hadn't asked that because I don't think he wanted that on the record. It ended up being one of the more notable sort of, huh, moments uh, from a very long day of uh, testimony yesterday. I should put in a massive caveat here that I think the odds of uh, a future prosecution of Trump after he leaves office for obstruction, barring something new coming out, uh, is highly unlikely. But it, I mean, you know, it's certainly giving uh, some people now some new hope who haven't been happy with how things have been rolling out. All right. So you said that was just one of the huh, moments uh, from a long day yesterday. Were there other notable moments that jumped out at you? Yeah, actually, you know, funny enough, the one that really (laughs) was the most dramatic ended up being walked back, but... uh uh, under questioning from a Democratic representative, Ted Lieu, uh, Mueller at one point said that the only thing stopping him, essentially he said the only thing stopping him from uh, indicting uh, President Trump for obstruction of justice was that he couldn't, but he would if he could, which is huge. And we had never actually heard that before. Uh, but then he came back after a break and said that he misspoke. And in fact, his office did not come to any conclusion one way or another. So the, one of the more dramatic moments ended up uh, sort of the air got let out of it a little bit. Ooh, that is quite dramatic. So, Paul, will anything tangible happen after these hearings? I think things are going to continue on as they have. I mean, the Democrats still have a lot of uh, legal battles with the administration that they are fighting right now. They're fighting for more information. They're fighting to get more Trump administration officials to testify before Congress. But in terms of whether or not yesterday's hearings 
are going to lead to a surge in support uh, within the Democratic caucus for impeachment proceedings. I don't see that happening. That certainly wasn't the initial reaction that we saw when we were talking to people after it was all over. It was uh, seen as somewhat uh, disappointing for the people who were hoping that they would be able to use this to gain momentum for impeachment proceedings. So I don't think this really sort of veers us off course from where we were. I, I certainly the House Democrats and the Trump administration are going to continue to be battling legally, but uh, I, don't, I don't think this kicks impeachment talking to overdrive. All right, so you mentioned uh, some of the reactions uh, after yesterday. Um, can you talk a little bit about how uh, both Trump and Pelosi responded? Yeah, so uh, very different responses, as you'd expect. Uh, Nancy Pelosi spent uh, her press conference really highlighting the damning parts of the Mueller administration that Mueller did talk about. And certainly there was a lot that he brought up about uh, the administration of, uh, I'm sorry, the behavior of the Trump administration and officials there, uh, him saying things like, you know, Trump act actively tried to interfere in our investigation, and the only reason he w it didn't work was because people below him said no to his orders. So, you know, Democrats, of course, trying to highlight the more damning parts of this, whereas, I mean, for Trump, he, him and uh, his allies were full-on declaring victory. I mean, he was tweeting about the witch hunt being over. Uh, Republicans seemed very confident. And I think that was more based on fear of the worst case scenario for them, uh, not really being sure what Robert Mueller would say and how damaging it could have turned out. I think they're pretty happy uh, in the end. And so they they were basically, uh, there was just sort of signs of relief and them saying, all right, now we don't have, they seem very confident, let's put it this way, that uh, they don't have to worry about impeachment anytime soon. Don't have to worry about impeachment. Well, Paul, switching gears a bit this morning, we wanted to take a quick second to talk about something else that happened yesterday. Here's a treat from you, Paul. <laughs> During Mueller this morning, Senators Alexander and Murray announced their bill to end surprise medical billing will not get a vote before August break. Couldn't get floor time with McConnell. Paul, what is this bill about? Yeah, I love health policy. Let's talk more about health <laughs> policy. So this would be a uh, potentially really meaningful piece of healthcare legislation, which we don't get a lot of. Uh, this would basically outlaw the practice of surprise medical billing. This is what happens when someone uh, goes to a hospital, say, and they even know that that hospital is within their insurance network and they think they're fine and then they're hit with bills for potentially thousands or tens of thousands of dollars because it turns out a doctor or a specialist or a anesthetist, someone who is working in uh, the hospital is not in their insurance network. Now, of course, everyone can look at that and say, well, this is insane. Uh, someone who is at a hospital has no ability when they're in an emergency room to be away. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you take Aetna? So this is an obvious wrong. And this, what this bill would do is it would make it so that if you go to the hospital, you don't have to worry about these surprise bills. Now, that's the easy part. The hard part is who's going to actually pay for that. Because at a certain point, you know, you've got these battles between doctors, hospitals, the insurance industry, who all have something to lose here because they're making a lot of money off of this surprise billing. And so they have started to push back pretty hard on this bill. So what we found out yesterday was that this bill, which seemed to have a lot of momentum, is not going to be going towards a vote uh, by the end of this, uh, this sort of session. So we were having a month-long break. There was some hope initially that this bill could be passed soon. It, that is not going to happen. The earliest it could go to a vote now is the fall. And that leaves a lot of time for health industry lobbying uh, for this and other pieces of legislation, because there are a couple other that are also m moving through the works here. And uh, if history has shown us anything, it is that 
the healthcare lobbies are excellent at poking holes in legislation so that they don't actually lose money. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, I actually, I have to say, now that we've learned more about what this bill is, this very thing happened to me. I ended up in the emergency room. Really? That took my insurance, and I ended up with a doctor who was out of network, and I owed a whole Ooh. lot of money. So um, definitely looking forward to covering this, uh, you know, if it comes back in the fall, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. So, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks. And yeah, it's an, it's an epidemic. It's happening to people all over. It's such an obvious wrong. Hopefully Congress can fix this. Uh, we'll see. Yep, we will see. Well, up next, if you loved Big Little Lies, I have some book recommendations for you. Hmm. Natalie tweeted, that feeling when there's no more Big Little Lies to watch on Sunday nights. Sierra Velarde, BuzzFeed newsletter editor joins me now to walk us through her list of books to read if you love Big Little Lies. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk about my favorite books. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> I need this. Uh, you know, I'm so sad that the second season of Big Little Lies has ended. I also Same. nearly finished the Big Little Lies book. I still have that. Um, and the thing that really, I think, struck a lot of people about the show is that it has such a specific and gripping aesthetic. And For I know sure. one of the books on your list is Perfect Mother. Um, why is that one at the top of your list? How does it fit in? So it's very similar to Big Little Lies in the fact that it's about four mothers who kind of really the only thing they have in common in the beginning is that they all have kids around the same age. And so they bond over that, but not really. But what really brings them together is that one night on 4th of July, they all go out, they're having a good time, and one of their kids gets abducted. And so it's, um, no one knows why it happened. And so the four mothers kind of, um, they come together and they um, take it upon themselves to research why they think they happened, to investigate themselves. But in the process, a lot of secrets about their past come out. And I think it's a really good portrayal of Modern motherhood, modern motherhood, and all the um, pressures that you face just in the, the age of social media, and it's set in Brooklyn in like Prospect or Park Slope area, which is very has its own aesthetic to it. It's not Monterey, I, but it has. There its are own, some. There are some. some there are some definite similarities. <laughs> yeah, there. For sure. well, I, I want to talk about another book, uh, Where the Crawdads Sing, Love that and one. Uh, so this one uh, it has a, some kind of epic courtroom scene um, that is like uh, what we saw between Mary Louise and Celeste. It was also mm -hmm. one of Reese Witherspoon's picks, right? Yes, yeah, one of her book club picks. Everything she touches, like. I, yes. turns to gold. I love all of her picks. Um, yeah, but this one is great. It has a little bit of everything. Um, it's a really good coming-of-age story, has a strong female lead, has romance, and then also has a murder mystery, which gives you a little bit of everything. Um, but this one follows um, this girl named Kaya who lives on a marsh in North Carolina by herself since she was the age of nine. So she becomes this kind of like enigma to this small town. Everyone is views her as being very mysterious. So in uh, this... Um, this guy who is very well liked in town turns up dead. They everyone points their fingers at her. So at the very end, the last fourth of the book is this very gripping courtroom drama that had me just like flipping the entire time. Like I needed to get to the end. Um, and I went to Coney Island two weekends ago, and I saw literally ten people reading it on the on the wow. beach. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So everyone's All right. Loving it. And this one's actually it's going to be a movie. Yes. From, yeah. Produced by Reese Witherspoon. Excuse me. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. She uh, her production company got the um, rights to it back in December. So I think it's still in de in development and there's no casting information, but you should read it now. So then when it comes out, yeah. you're ready and prepared. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, I read uh, The Big Little Lies book. It is, uh, you know, it's fairly long. It's it like hundreds and hundreds of pages long. Um, are there any of these books uh, or do you have any other recommendations that are like a quick beach read? Like maybe I could put it away in a day. Those are always my favorites. Um, <laughs> um, I really love um, on my list, um, One of Us is Lying by Karen M. McManus. 
Um, this one is kind of like if Big Little Lies, Pretty Little Liars, and The Breakfast Club had a baby. It's very, very good. Yeah, so five kids go into detention, and only four of them come out. Um, and the kid that ends up dead, Simon, has this blog that he had pre-planned to release all these really damning secrets about the four kids. Um, so when that they start being released and all these secrets are coming out, all the police start to point their fingers at these four kids because like, they have the most to lose at stake. Um, and the most motive. Um, and so these four kids who didn't really know each other, like one of them is the brain, one of them's a jock, very Breakfast Club-esque. Um, it really brings them together, but they also start to kind of suspect each other and it takes a lot of turns um, and the end is very shocking. And I believe it's a series as well. So if you oh, like excellent. that and you're hooked on it, you can read the Then you can just one. keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I have to say uh, from this season of Big Little Lies, I think something that so many people found entertaining was Renata uh, just being like an insufferable rich person when she screams, oh. I will not not be rich. I loved it. Um, so if we <laughs> can't get enough of those kinds of rich people problems, do you have any other books that we should read? Um, Very Nice is a great one that I, it just came out um, this month and the cover alone is gorgeous. It's You can see it next to you on the beach or at the pool. Um, but it is about um, this college freshman. I think it opens literally with the line, like, I didn't think when I kissed my college professor that he would kiss me back. So just from that, you're like, Shook. This is yeah, this okay, is here we yeah. go. Yeah. Um, so then it ends up um, over the summer, she invites her professor to stay with her at her sprawling Connecticut home. There's like a beautiful <laughs> pool. They have like shop Whole Foods all the time. Um, and then I love that that detail. Yes, You're like, this yes. is a, this is a, always well, yeah. you know, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and um, it, since it's her family home, her mom's there, and her mom just had a divorce. She's feeling very sad, and then she starts to have an affair with the college professor as well. So there's okay, this, yeah. So there's All like right. familial drama, a lot of complicated family relationships. It's very like sexy, fun. A lot of it takes place around a pool. It's going to be great. All right, noted. Well, I'm definitely going to get some of these books and uh, take them to the beach with me. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course, I had such a good time. We're tweeting out Sierra's list now so all of you can check out her recommendations. Up next, Zach is sitting down with Emmy Award-winning actor and star of Claws, Carrie Preston. I'm here with Emmy Award-winning actor Carrie Preston, star of Claws on TNT, and so much more. You're so much more than that. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Thank you for being here today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having of me. Of course. And I've been looking forward to this for weeks because you have been one of my favorite actors since True Blood, and we'll, oh, we'll get into all thank that. You. Thank well, let's first talk about this season of Claws. It is yes. the third season. Yes. We're in the middle of it, and uh-huh. this week you make your director debut. I do. What made you want to get behind the camera? Well, I've been uh, directing for about 15 years. I have my own production company, so I've done a lot of independent films, um, features, docs, web series, shorts, uh, but I've been really gunning to do episodic television. Mm. So when I was doing True Blood, I shadowed, which means you follow a director around to kind of learn from them from prep to post. So I did that on True Blood. I did that on The Good Wife. And then um, when I joined the cast of Claws, one of the first things I said to them was, I hope you will consider me as a director. <laughs> so finally, they, uh, they, you know, they had to get a couple of seasons under their belt. But then um, I really didn't think it would happen as soon as it did. So I was so grateful when they called and said, we want you to direct. And this is your week to do it. And, and so, yeah, it was an incredible experience. You only get seven days to prep. Really? An episode. Wow. And then you, in our show, we have nine days to shoot, which is pretty generous okay. for a TV show. So, but I get my script on the first day of prep. 
Oh, what? And I was like, oh my God. So I'm sitting down. There's a whole group of all of these people who I'm used to working with as an actor. Yeah. And they're all looking at me and like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, just read the script. Just did the script. Well, <laughs> just looked at it. Get back, I'll get back to you on that you one. I'm, you're like, this is fresh for me too, girl. Wait yeah, one Hold on a second, girl. <laughs> but they were amazing and it turned out really well. I'm very proud of it. Oh my God. Well, I'm so excited to see it. But I must know, who was your favorite person to direct on the cast? And who was giving you some trouble? <laughs> You know I love my cast. Mm -hmm, yes. You know They're I very do. tight, which I love. We are super tight. You know, you mm -hmm. see it's about these five women, and, you know, we are like five fingers on a hand. Like, we are really, really close. Mm. So everybody was showed up for me in such a great way. I wish I could give you some some trash and trash talk, but <laughs> like there's Denise. none there. <laughs> Nisi was here. <laughs> Nisi is amazing, and she <laughs> totally showed up for me. She had directed an episode earlier in the season. I remember that. So, you know, we all showed up for her, mm -hmm. and she did the same for That's me. Fantastic. So, yeah, it was so good. speaking of showing up, you on the show have uh, you're a bit of an identity thief. Yes, as a character, which one of these identities that you play do you like most doing? Um, I mean, I guess I would I would say my um, my uh, dance instructor, <laughs> who is basically based on any professor that I had mm -hmm. when I was at Juilliard. <laughs> I mean, I just kind of tapped into mm -hmm. my drama school just days really and channeled. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it's just so fun that they let me do whatever I want. You know, like mm -hmm. I'll come in, it won't be on the page, and I'll just say, can I do a persona here? I'm going to do this like 1940s thing. I think I'm going to wow. do, you know, sort of a, I'd like to do like a Katherine Hepburn thing mm -hmm. here or Kathleen Turner or something. And they'll go, okay. Wow. I know. That's amazing. So this is a great and job. This, that gives me better insight to you as an actor because, yeah. you know, one of my favorite shows in the entire world for since forever is The Good Fight, which oh, you are in. And you were you. also in The Good Wife. Yes. You play the same character throughout those two different universes, but the same universe. Yeah. It's complicated. Yeah. Um, so will you be on the next season? And what can we expect from that, if you know anything? I I would, if they called me today and said, will you be on the show? Mm -hmm. I would be there. It's all about scheduling. And right now, I think they shoot at the same time that Claus shoots. Oh. So it's very hard to work out. But um, I love that character. It's such I a good mean, it, it was such a gift when it, it came to me. I was doing True Blood. And it was so different mm -hmm. than Arlene. And then they let me just keep doing it. They kept bringing me back all during The Good Wife. And then when they started The Good Fight, it was such a gift to be able to just to drop into her insanity, you know, every There's once in a while. A lot of insanity in that character. Yeah, but she's brilliant, you know, so like her brilliant. mind just is not like the other kids. Yeah. So speaking of insanity, you know, the show does feel real at many times. You know, it's following the current political climate and yeah. all its ups and downs. Yes. What's it like being part of that show that is so political? And I would even argue True Blood was really political in its own it's way. It's true, it's true. And I, I would I would say that Claus is the same. Yes. I mean, it's, uh, it's in a way, it's a show for our time. Times. You know, it's about female empowerment and, you know, diversity on screen and stuff. And so with The Good Fight, it was really fun, I'm sure, for Robert and Michelle King, the creators, that they got to do it on the streaming platform, CBS All Access. So they were able to be a lot more political, mm -hmm. to be profane, to be, you know, to kind of push the envelope in a way they, they couldn't on network. Yeah, uh, and it feels like a breath of fresh air to me as a viewer to be able to see you all Give, given such a big range to play and have fun and be real. Because be these real. are the real conversations people would have at a law firm I know. dealing with P-tapes. <laughs> exactly. And the writing is just so, so brilliant. You really just have to 
show up and let let the words, you know, yeah. take you where they need to go. Yeah. So throughout your career, you've been in some remarkable shows and you've played some of my favorite characters that people seem to love even when the show ends. Like <laughs> your character in True Blood, I still think a lot about. Um, what's it like to be be a character to so many people that they remember forever, even after the show is gone? I mean, it's, you know, it's such a compliment. Like I, I you know, I, I'm a, <clears throat> I'm an actor who I don't like to, I don't like to say character actor because that makes it sort of sound like it's, it's not as good. So I say that, you know, those of us who like to play a bunch of characters are illusionists mm-hmm. because we're trying to really fool people into thinking that we are somebody that we're not. Mm-hmm. And um, in, in these cases, you know, I'll have people who will come up to me and they'll just call me by the name of the character. <laughs> they'll just be like, you know, Arlene or you know, Elspeth and Polly. And, you know, I take that as a compliment. But, I mean, it's a great compliment because yeah. your character did survive the entire time in True Blood. Oh, yeah. The only human, one of the only humans left standing. Yes, which is what, actually, I should not say that because I've noticed that on Twitter, people are starting to watch True Blood again. I don't have any data to back this up or anything, but I see tweets every day. I do, too. Revisiting. Why do you think people are coming back to that work? Because it is. I know. It was, you know, when Obama came into office and we're in a very different world. I know. Now. We totally are. But I think people want to escape now more than ever and with that show you you could escape but at the same time you had social commentary too Mm, you know so you could read into it it could be about any disenfranchised group of people or it could be popcorn full for adults Ah. you know either or and i think that appeals to people still yeah and people i think need that right now i think so yeah going on oh what i need is to see you this week directing and acting on claws so thank you so much for being here today please watch this sunday we we have to support you well you can watch this sunday and make sure you tune in well not sunday for claws on tnt stay tuned for more am to dm up next tweet from Erin. The final Orange is the New Black season is so soon. I am so nervous. Please let my faves be okay. Please let Flaka and Maritza be safe. Joining me now is one of my faves and the actor who plays Flaka on Orange is the New Black, Jackie Cruz. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome, welcome, you know, Say hello to the fans. (laughs) Um, So, of course, it is the last season, and uh, Netflix just said this was one of their most viewed shows, or the most viewed show. Um, And, you know, Time just said it was uh, the most important show of the decade. I mean, that's huge. Oof, I just feel Yeah, yeah. What do you think the legacy Um, of this show will be? Well, definitely having a cast of powerful, gorgeous, diverse women. I don't think that um, I'll ever see that again. I hope so. (laughs) Come on, Hollywood, wake up. But, um, yeah, it's, I believe, like, you know, the, the people behind it, you know, like Genji and Tara and creating such a, uh, an incredible story and, and opening up all these doors for us. And we're changing the world and um, even by, by just, you know, being entertainment, which is incredible. We're sneak peek to, to the lives of, of the people. And I believe that's why our show is popular because they see themselves. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, I remember when the show first came on, um, it really brought uh, conversations about women's prisons to the fore that like we weren't having before. And you mentioned mm-hmm. just um, this amazing cast and how supportive everyone is. Are y'all still on a group text with we each other? We sure are. are? <laughs> we sure are. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. What are you like sending I mean, in these days? I know. You know these um, um, Leah Delaria sends some really funny 
many messages. I, I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we we have like silly pictures of each other, and now we just started posting pictures. I believe Yael posted one with an. I have eight chins. We had we didn't. I didn't approve <laughs> that, but it'll be fine. I'm it'll be fine tonight. Like, we'll I did not this. <laughs> war. It's war now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can only imagine. You know, like this show, the the relationships you form, the bond that you form yeah. when a show is so part of your life that that it could be difficult as it winds down. I actually even saw Taryn Manning's post on Instagram this morning. So yeah. how are y'all supporting each other? You know, we as try. In this chapter? You know, yeah. we try. We try to be there for one another. You know, all of us have our own lives, but um, we, you know, we're we're like sisters. You know, and I also grew up on the show. Like those are my sisters. Like you know, I was a baby when I first started, and I was I was a little girl, and now now I'm a woman. Got the short hair going. <laughs> I feel I feel confident. I feel um, I feel official. <laughs> I feel validated, and and it makes sense why Kalua would pick someone like me to be a part of this exhibition that we're gonna talk about yeah. because Zero likes given exhibition. Uh, Flaka is a person who's not afraid to speak her mind and uh, say what's on her mind, and and that's actually changed me as a person. You know, like um, I started, you know, I was afraid to talk about a lot of things on my social, and not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now yeah. I don't care. I don't care. And it, and it makes sense. Like, we care so much about the likes and the validation. And um, I started to not care. And it makes sense. Mm. <laughs> we're going to get into, we're going to talk about the exhibition yeah. um, shortly. But first, I do want to talk a little bit more about this season. Yes. Don't worry, everybody. There won't be any spoilers. This is all stuff that's already out there. Uh, I can't I can't get fired, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, this season, uh, you know, the show has never shied away from big political yeah. issues. And this season, in particular, it tackles ICE um, and immigration. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how is it playing uh, those kinds of scenes and, and how is it happening? Well, it felt um, too real. Yeah. It felt too real. Like um, they had, you know, cameras behind the scenes too, you know, to catch, you know, what's going on with the cast. And um, it felt too real. And uh, it wasn't acting this season. It didn't feel like acting. It felt so like I was there and it was just looking around and wait till you see. It was just very, very too, too, too real. What was it like being in the room? Yeah, that's what I'm sets? saying. How, how are you reacting to it? It was cold. It? it just looked, it was very cold and um, it just looked uh, like we were really there. And um, it just took me there. And um, it changed my life, this show. And um, I became, you know, an activist. And I, I, I'm starting a company with Carmen Perez, who's one of the co-chairs of the Women's March, um, Ella.com. And um, we want to bring, you know, powerful Latina women that um, don't really have much of a voice and, and show what they're doing behind the scenes and, and how we could bring awareness to the things that are happening right now. Like, maybe on Sunday I'm doing a protest. Like, I don't even know. Like, I don't sleep. But um, uh, we have to... You know, this this show has changed the world, and and I have to not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned how this hits home for you. Um, you're from the Dominican Republic. I mean, have you been thinking about how uh, Trump has really been attacking uh, immigrant communities? Yeah, and not a lot of us can talk about it. You know what I mean? You know, uh, <clears throat> because we're afraid, we're scared um, for our families, and. Um, yeah, I can't really even mention. I can't like it, it. I don't like even just talking to you about it could, could bring me to tears, especially because today's my premiere. And uh, yeah, um, yeah, I don't even know what the question is, but you got me. Um, yeah. My heart is yeah. just like it's there, and um, we we need to we may, we need to make a difference. And you know, number forty five is just effing it all up for us. And um, uh, but if we stand up and we really like help each other and support one another and really like 
you know, speak up, I think, I think we, can, we, could, we could do something. Mm. We could make a change. Well, one of the things you kind of pointed to is how representation can just mean so much and how representation mm-hmm. can help move that needle. And you actually, you posted on Instagram um, that when you first moved to Los Angeles, Hollywood didn't know what to do with you. <laughs> it still um, doesn't. <laughs> it still doesn't. Well, my question was going to be, have you seen Latinx uh, representation improve since then? But not for 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 my uh representation i mean maybe you know there are things behind the scenes that people are working on some more dominican um movies but again um hollywood has just this one look for a latina and um they it's going to take a long time for them to wiggle around that there are afro latinas and they're um you know all sizes all different shades and you know even even when i go to, you know to the dr like I'm like gringa. I'm like, damn, I can't be, I can't even be enough for 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 the Dominican Republic right now because I li- I live here and then I'm not even accepted here. Yeah. Um, well, now I do want to shift gears. Water. Go for it, please. <laughs> <coughs> I do want to shift gears uh, just a little bit to talk about this uh, exhibition um, oh, yeah. that you're that you are a part of. Um, you know, how did you get involved uh, involved in it? Um, tell us a little bit about it. Okay. Well, Kalua approached me. Um, it's called Zero Likes Given. It's pretty much all the pictures on Instagram that no one's ever liked from 2010. We have the first picture that was the oldest picture that has never been liked. And I looked at, at, at all these pictures and some of them are, are really cool. And, you know, people are in that moment and it's like at a grocery store with all these beautiful fruits. Like it just felt like home. And I'm like, nobody liked that. And like, who cares? You know what yeah. I mean? So why not post things that you're proud of and like you're living in the moment and not take so much time editing it? You know, 90% of millennials, um, they want to live in the moment, but uh, they don't because they're editing the picture or they're they're capturing the moment. And, um, and it takes away from that special. I actually give myself like five seconds to, to okay, 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 now I leave it. And I've been actually <laughs> leaving my phone when I am on vacation at, at uh, you know, at, at the hotel or whatever because I just want to be present and just, you know, look around. And, and I've, it's just been great. And it's so silly that people feel validated. So we did this, we did this uh, thing where I posted the picture that has never been liked. It got 4,500 likes. Wow. And then the next day I, I, I told them the whole story about the, um, exhibition and they were like, oh my gosh, that's genius. And already five countries um, like New Zealand, um, they took away the likes and people are really into it. You know what I mean? Because it's, there's a lot of mental health issues, including with myself. I'm guilty of it. Like, oh, this person, you know, they didn't like my picture. Maybe, you know, they only like sexy pictures. Like, what's up? What's going on, fans? Like, what do you want from me? Can I just be myself? And um, I, I started to not care. And it made so much sense to to uh, be a part of this. And I was like, yeah, I definitely want to be a part of this because this is the new wave. And it's time for us to stop caring so much. And Kahlua, they're so cool. They're like so carefree. And it just all made sense. And I performed last night for the premiere of the exhibition. And it was just, it was a really cool room. And everybody was was feeling it. Yeah, and I understand. You have to come brought, see it. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, yeah I understand. You might have, you might have brought a little something for us. Oh yes, yeah, honey, yes. Yeah. But um, I I left uh, the other stuff, which is like the vodka and the kahlua <laughs> in the hey, bag. I thought you were bringing that. But later that. on, we can do a little a little, <laughs> a little thing. A little I, I, All right, I, I can show you how. All right. It works. Well, I'm definitely. I'm gonna. I'll try this during the break. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. And the final season of Orange is the New Black hits Netflix tomorrow. 
Up next, we're reading some more of your tweets. Welcome back, y'all. It's now time for Add Us, where we hear from you and have a little conversation. Little conversation. Before we start that, I always just love sitting in the control room and watching Alex begin new friendships with all of our guests. <laughs> and I noticed that her and Jackie are going to become best girlfriends because I guess they're going to the show together. I mean, yeah, I guess so. The thing is, Jackie was just so delightful. And it's amazing when you can have a conversation where you know, you address all these like really serious yeah. themes, um, but it's also like there was so much levity and she was just yes. so much fun and like we laughed a lot. So I was I laughing love, back there. I, I love, love all, I love all of that mix. Yes, you know? we want more of that mix. Yes, yes, so please. It was yeah. great. Well, we wanted to know what you, what show meant a lot to you and that, and that wound up getting canceled. I'm getting so tripped over cancellations. You, I, hate just, them so I know, much. you're just shook up by God. these cancellations. Well, Jeremy, you told us happy endings, which um, I have never seen. Me neither, I haven't, but I feel for you. And Jen added Pitch, another show. Another show I, have I haven't seen. seen. I have not seen. So hmm. these shows gone before their time. I'm sure they're on you know? Hulu or something. <laughs> we'll they're out there. Them. I think one of the nice things about streaming is that we will have them forever. Forever. forever not just always. in our hearts. Just like Tooth and Birdie. We'll be with us forever. Well, you will not be with us forever today, but we want to say <laughs> thank you to our guests, Paul McLeod, Sierra Velarde, Andrea Gonzalez-Ramirez, Harry Preston, and Jackie Cruz. We'll be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. Have a great rest of your day. 